0: Welcome to episode 37, where I'm continuing our theme for our second series of Making a Difference When You Travel. This week I share an interview with Holly Carr, an author, TEDx speaker and fellow solo traveller. This insightful interview covers so many layers of making a difference. Holly shares how a solo trip to China to teach English inspired her to write a book that would go on to inspire others, how she left a corporate career to follow her happiness and make a difference, how volunteering in Asia opened her eyes, how she started a foundation to help others to make a difference, and also the simple things we can do to make a difference in other people's lives. You don't need to be traveling to do it either. So no matter where you are on your solo journey, this interview is one to make you contemplate about the next stage of your life. Stay tuned. Welcome to Girl About the Globe, a podcast for you as a solo female traveller. Empowering women to travel solo. Maximum adventure, minimum impact. Welcome to a dose of inspiration for the solo traveler. Today's inspiring interview is with Holly Carr, a fellow Brit, author, TEDx speaker, and co-founder of Rainmaker Foundation, a community dedicated to making the world a better place for all. Hi Holly, thanks for joining me today. Hello, nice
1: to speak to you.
0: You too. I'm really excited to talk to you. I want to find out more about what you do and how you inspire others with your story. Can you begin by just telling us a bit about your background? Sure, yes. Um, Well,
1: like yourself and probably many of your um, readers and followers, I'm a fellow traveller. I love travelling. I um, did my first round-the-world trip before university, took a gap year and did the classic sort of six months working um, to earn enough money to go around the world for six months and did Thailand, Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, Hawaii, and Canada in that trip, and absolutely loved it. After university thought, okay, I really want to travel again, but rather than just going around aimlessly, kind of exploring, mm-hmm. um, I thought okay, I better do something that adds to my CV as is the, the way we need to build up our experiences. So I thought I would go and work in a country and I chose to go to China and teach English at a university over there, become a foreign expert with the British Council. So that was a great experience. I went and lived there for a year and learned some Chinese and learned about the culture and the different, um, very different ways that uh, the people there live and work and play. Um, So it was a brilliant insight into the culture and was fascinated by their sort of um, ancient wisdom, their Chinese traditional medicine, many philosophies that they have that really I hadn't come across before. And um, it sort of ignited my interest, I suppose, in the Eastern wisdom, India as well as another area and all across Asia, actually, there's a lot to be discovered there. And that's contributed to the research I did for the book. But when I came back from China, I got a job at IBM doing um, corporate communications. And I was working in their laboratory with all their inventors, master inventors, we call them, and people who create amazing technologies. And I was just so inspired by these people who were doing great things that I decided to stay there. I was only supposed to be working there for 6 months and I planned to go back to China but I got involved in the innovation process and and loved the fact that people were creating these technologies that could change people's lives. So I started inventing things myself and filed a couple of patents or patents yeah. depending on where you're from <laughs> and ran an innovation campaign for IBM in the UK and Ireland and then I started working on a global at a global level with their research development and innovation, working with the scientists and developers across their technology and really loved it. So I ended up staying at IBM for a good number of years. And um, as I originally went in as a temp just to cover maternity leave, I then applied to, to the graduate scheme and was fast-tracked through that and was very fortunate to be chosen as one of their future potential leaders and put on the leadership development program which was a multi-million pound two-year program which had amazing um, exposure to different sides of the business and I got to work with incredible leaders and to lead teams internationally as well so working with people who spoke different languages had different cultures particularly people in Spain for example who wanted to have siestas and we'd have to work (laughs) around things like that so it was very interesting working across different cultures um, and languages but there came a a time I was actually at TED the global uh, thought leader conference where we were a sponsor and all these people were on the stage talking about how they were changing the world and and the amazing things they were doing and they're very inspirational people and I think someone asked a question about why do you do the things that you do and that question really got into my head I couldn't answer it so I was really sort of stuck as to why am I doing what I do I was on a, an amazing career ladder and um, working full-on days and doing amazing sort of global strategy and working with incredible teams but I didn't know why I didn't know what my sole motivation was yeah. I wasn't motivated by the money or I'd sort of achieved the things that I set out to achieve with my career I'd won awards and the sort of shorter term things in terms of building and leading teams of people and helping them to achieve excellent results, um, which is where I'd got the satisfaction. So I wasn't really sure what was next. I got this sort of sticky feeling that I was missing something and I couldn't answer my question as to why I was doing it. So I decided to take a bit of a sabbatical and I went off back to Asia back to China um, and traveled solo from Beijing down to Hong Kong and then across down to uh Thailand and I worked or volunteered rather with um sort of displaced communities so illegal immigrants or people who had fled from along the uh, border of Burma and Thailand there's a lot of different communities that get displaced a lot of um problems and challenges that they faced, And so there was a lot of people who didn't have education, healthcare, um, they weren't considered residents, but they were desperate to learn English or to come up with a way that they might be able to secure um, their future. So I worked with some amazing people there and learned a huge amount about myself as well as some Character traits of humans, I suppose. <laughs> I gave a, a TED talk about what makes you happy, and that was uh, based on a lot of the lessons that came from that journey. Just uh, the final part, I suppose, of that of that journey of, of exploration was when I came back from that sabbatical. I decided I wouldn't go back to the corporate world. Instead, would set up, would help set up this charity, which the aim was to inspire people and to make generosity more effective. So people want to make a difference, but of, often don't know where to start or how to do it most effectively. Mm. And so we were a bit like uh, matchmakers, connecting people who wanted to give something, whether it be time, money, skills, expertise, experience, contacts. Um, but they had something to give, and everybody does, with the charities that most needed it. So we were kind of matchmaking the two together to ensure that the results were both inspiring and effective for the givers, the donors, but also for the charities. They were getting what they needed in a direct route. That's
0: a great so, idea. yeah, that
1: was <laughs> that was uh, what led me to to here. And I then went on maternity leave. And decided okay, what would what would I really like to do? And it was about finishing the book that I'd started writing on my sabbatical, published it or launched it in January twenty sixteen. It's been a gathering together of lots of different insights that I came across and putting it into hopefully something that's easily accessible and easy to read for people to experience themselves.
0: Yeah. And hopefully.
1: I learn something <laughs> yeah I just
0: read your book actually congratulations on getting it published thank you how, how much of the story actually mirrors your own personal story because I know that you cover China within the book as well and it's also about a lady called Jessica who feels unfulfilled in her corporate life would you say that there's elements of you within within the story
1: it's a good question when lots of people ask me um, and <laughs> yes I definitely draw on my own experience within the book and particularly when she goes to China I actually went back through my journals I used to write every day and looked at how I was describing things and the overwhelming feelings that I felt Um I think Jessica the character in the book touches upon and so that element of e- explaining and describing how she was feeling and and the different experiences that she came across when she first went to china is definitely based on my own experience but the character is not me most definitely not and i think the the joy of writing fiction is that you can really play with it you can make things up and you can make the characters a lot more complex or have different issues that they need to overcome and so i had a bit of fun creating the character of Jessica. And she, uh, she does have challenges. She's definitely not perfect. Um, And she has kind of her own unique qualities, let's say, which I don't share. (laughs) I have never had some of the experiences that she's had, Um, the infatuations that she's had. I've never experienced myself, but um, it was great fun to write about her because sometimes when you observe other people you can think oh that's interesting I wonder why they did that and it kind of I think because I studied psychology as well I'm always interested in people and why they might do things and what their motivations are so I drew on different observations I'd had of people as well um, in the workplace and how they may um, have added to the the character of Jessica so I'm hoping she's someone that people can relate to but she's also someone who does have things she has to overcome um inside herself as well as outside herself
0: and your book is called an invitation to the life of your dreams isn't it and i'll put a link under the interview as well to your book yes so oh, thanks yeah it's um it's hopefully th- well the plan is
1: to have a series of 3 so this is the first one and it's very much the invitation it's an introduction and gives a flavour of lots of different perspectives um it's not a kind of set philosophy it opens up There's things that people will know lots about like yoga and mindfulness but there's also elements in there of things that maybe people wouldn't know so much about like tui na, which is a traditional chinese acupressure pressure massage or chi which is the vital life force the energy that flows through us chakras things like that so it's really um a sprinkling of lots of different Eastern flavors, and um, the plan is that the next two books will then grow with the character and will delve even deeper into her journey of finding herself and finding her forf- her sense of fulfillment and purpose in life. And um, so, yeah, there'll be a few twists and turns in the plot as well.
0: <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. To be continued. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I'm I'm really interested to know what drew you to China initially, because I I guess a lot of people go to India looking for spirituality, and China might not fall within that initially, so I just wondered what was the appeal for China?
1: Mm. Well, I think, first of all, I love a challenge, so I saw (laughs) China as a a challenge mainly from the language point of view and how different the culture is so i wanted to experience something that was really very removed from my day to day i'd already traveled to america and australia and new zealand and countries that speak english so it's a lot easier and i wanted to go somewhere where you know people do think of mandarin or cantonese as quite a difficult language to learn and it's a very different culture so i enjoyed learning about that um and also I wanted to teach and I went with the British Council and they have lots and lots of different countries, but a lot of them, you had to know the language before you arrived. Whereas China was one of the few places where you could go without a background in the language and they gave us intensive Mandarin training as well as teacher training for the first three weeks um, in Shanghai. And there was a great moment where we were learning Tai Chi And there was about 90 students and we were all in a field doing Tai Chi and the locals just came and gathered around and were laughing so much. I think they found it hilarious that we're all trying to balance and we didn't really know what we were doing. But it was um, a, a really good initiation, I suppose, into a culture that is so rich and so diverse and that I think you could spend a long time studying. But just going and, and being in amongst it <laughs> is a great way to experience it and not knowing the language. So I'd studied um, psychology and English literature and became a communication professional, communication specialist. And actually going to China, like Jessica in the book, you, you're stripped of all your communication abilities. You can't mm-hmm. read, you can't speak, you can't write, you can't understand what people are saying. And so it does kind of place you into a scene whereby you have to rely on your other senses so it does heighten how you see everything else because you don't have the familiar to fall back on so I did really enjoy uh the differences as well as learning (laughs) as much as I could while I was there for survival more than anything (laughs) how to get around and order food and things like that
0: yeah it's a completely different culture isn't it I know when I went to Beijing I felt very overwhelmed when I first got there and mm. did, did you ever feel that, like thinking what am I doing or how did you feel <laughs> when you when you first arrived was it a bit of a, of a culture shock
1: definitely yeah um, I think throughout the whole time I was there you you have there's so much going on there's so many people and there's so many differences that it's, um, it's, it can be overwhelming, but it's very stimulating as well. Yeah. But I was re- reading through my journals when I was writing the book, and I realized I kept using this one particular word to describe everything, and it was crazy. Everything <laughs> just seemed crazy. Like the traffic, the people, the buildings, and spectacular buildings, just it's stunning. But it was so far removed from what I was used to that it, it did just all seem like crazy in a good way but it was um a real eye-opening experience and and definitely there are always times where you're kind of thinking gosh where am i i'm so far from home
0: yeah
1: but at the same time you love it and i know in your book that i've also read which is excellent you talk about how as a solo traveler you you do have moments where you feel oh gosh what am i doing and is should i be doing this and everyone is going to have those moments of thinking through what they're doing but equally I, I always found that the hardest things or the most challenging things were always always the most rewarding and the best experiences of my life have always been things that have pushed me so far outside of my comfort zone that I've had to uh, step up to them and as such I've grown and discovered and, and become who I am as a result
0: that's what I was going to say as well, actually, is it sometimes the things that make you feel the most uncomfortable are the things that you, that is, an, is an indication that you're on the right path and the things that you need to do the most to step out of your comfort zone. Otherwise, we can always just stay in this little safe bubble and not push ourselves and step up, as you just said. So mm. that's great. So yeah. would you say that traveling solo can become a personal transformation? It sounds as if you experienced that on your travels. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, travelling,
1: whether it's for a long period of time or even just a short period of time, it does take you out of your comfort zone and it places you into an unfamiliar environment. And that's great for challenging you to think about things differently because your brain is working in a different way and your perspectives are different, your Senses are different, so it does completely kind of shake up uh, how you're feeling. And I say about the short time as well, because when I was working in the corporate world, I do a few solo trips where I'd go and meet up with other groups of solo travelers, and I'd only go for three weeks or even two weeks in some circumstances. I didn't have a huge amount of time to take off and I, and yet I found them so rewarding and so enlightening. I went to Brazil and Argentina and to Thailand meeting up with other groups of people who I didn't know at all but um, I found meeting the people just as interesting as the different places and the different cultures. So I have a lot of friends who haven't been able to take a year off or a three-month sabbatical as I did and, and feel where they may be missing out and actually I try and encourage them that they can still get the values and the benefits of travel in a shorter kind of normal Mm -hmm. what you'd class as a normal working holiday (laughs) a couple of weeks off Um, but just putting themselves outside of their normal day to day and going off and having a little adventure and an an exploration and will ignite their interest as well and also with the book that I've written I hope that that will be like a little sabbatical for the soul so you can read it and actually go on a journey just by reading it so you don't even have to put yourself <laughs> in the situation if yeah. you don't have the time but it, I would love for people to feel inspired to then go off and do their own discovery and their own um, exploration of, t- of topics or areas or places that
0: might interest them and resonate with them True, I think it will. I think it will inspire people, especially to go to China as well, because you painted such an amazing picture of China. And it might be a country that people haven't considered before, so you might have opened people up to a different destination.
1: Yeah, well, Huanshan, which is, uh, translates as Yellow Mountain, which uh, features in the book, is spectacular, is as beautiful as I describe it. And it, and it is a really... Impressive climb. You can do it in a day, but there is also a cable cart <laughs> a cable car as I discovered when I climbed up it and then saw the cable car <laughs> to get down. So um yeah, it is really beautiful and the Chinese belief that you climb the mountain in order to find yourself and that's what my character does in the book. So it's it's based on ancient philosophy as well as a sort of fictional story
0: too do you think that a lot of people nowadays are on the treadmill and on a nine in a nine-to-five job and are feeling quite unfulfilled because you gave a very inspiring TEDx talk on what makes you happy Mm. and when I was watching that it actually made me think differently about what I was doing so do you think there's a lot of people who are stuck in their own routine and aren't satisfied and deep down looking for something else
1: Yes, I mean, I I can only talk from my personal experience having been Mm -hmm. through that journey. I definitely felt that I was running full pace on the treadmill and it's very hard to take time out to ask yourself the big life questions when you're so busy just surviving really just there's always things to do and there's always projects and deadlines and things you've got to manage And equally, um, a lot of my mum friends now who are looking after children, they're constantly busy and they don't really have the time to sit and reflect on what makes them happy. But I think it's a great question to ask yourself every now and again, just to check in. It's so easy for us to to fill our days. We're overwhelmed with information and constantly being marketed at and told what we ought to be doing and should be doing and need to be doing in order to be happy but quite often those things aren't necessarily what makes us happy having the latest technology or gadgets or shoes and handbags ultimately doesn't fulfill what's deep inside us asking to be inspired and everybody has a different purpose and a different passion and it is, I think, really important just to check in with yourself every now and again and think, OK, what is it that makes me feel really excited? What is it that ignites me, that makes me feel alive? And it could be dancing, singing, yoga, performing, writing. It, it could be a number of different things. But making time to do the things that make us happy is really important. And I don't think we put enough emphasis on that we're so busy serving others and doing the things that pay the bills yeah. that it's hard to think okay no actually I want to make time just one hour a week even to do something that makes me happy and um, it could be reconnecting with nature but just taking the time to think about what it is that you really enjoy doing and I think it comes down to mindset as well so It's become much better understood, this idea of mindfulness and being mindful about the present moment that we're in. But also about the thoughts that we have. And by thinking in a positive way, by thinking about what makes you happy, you can actually feel happier because you're thinking about something. So um, I've got a a lovely quote in the book about what you think you become. Gautama Buddha and it's really true if you're thinking about positive things your subconscious mind will actually take you there it doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined so you can imagine you know if you're going to sleep imagine a beautiful scene of lying on a beach relaxing and your subconscious mind will actually think you're there so it will give you that feel-good sensation release the endorphins and chemicals that you would get from actually being there so there's all sorts of things that you can do to kind of mind over matter and um, but what I found very interesting and what I shared in the TED talk were the two other elements of what makes you happy and one is about generosity so actually it's very well known now and documented that people get a sense of happiness from helping others so when you do a good deed it makes you feel good we're biologically programmed that way and so by helping other people you feel good and also if you see other people happy then it makes you feel happy so it's this virtuous circle of everybody helping each other Um, and the third point I made in the talk was around actually feeling grateful that's a huge uh, switch it's a switch that you can flick so you're not feeling happy you can just take even 30 seconds or a minute just to think about what you feel really grateful for and it can be anything from family, friends or just the fact that you're alive and breathing or you have a brain to be thinking about the question but it is a really simple thing that anyone can do in as little as 30 seconds and it's like switching a light switch on and it can just make you feel so much better instantly. So I found that very interesting in terms of um, looking at lots of different research and books and things. But ultimately, I think it came down to those three things, mindset, generosity, and gratitude. Yes.
0: Do you think that your idea or your key to happiness can change as well because i know that in my 20s what used to make me happy was traveling and it used to ignite my passion and being somewhere new and the new smells and the new senses and connecting Mm. with locals that used to be my number one passion and that would make me happy and now obviously at a different time of life and now what makes me happy is helping to empower other people to do that and Mm -hmm. helping others to kind of step, I know that probably sounds a bit cheesy, but try and step into their own power, but believe in themselves and realise that they don't have to do things because society tells them that they can do things. So now I get more satisfaction from listening to other people's stories rather than travelling myself. It's kind of lost that spark for me. So do you think that your happiness can change? absolutely yeah i think you just put
1: put that perfectly the way you described okay. it there and it would be really boring if it didn't change i think wouldn't it True. so yeah yeah absolutely it, it changes and evolves as we all do and what once makes us happy isn't necessarily what might make us happy tomorrow but as long as you kind of take the time to tune in to yourself and your sense of what it is that's making you feel alive and excited and inspired and follow that i think that is our intuition speaking to us or our kind of inner guidance and it will evolve and and go down a journey with us as we grow
0: yeah so even if you do find yourself having made a decision and being on a certain path you don't have to continue with that if it doesn't feel right to you anymore and your intuition is telling you something different then. It's time to have a, have a look at what you really want to do and maybe take a week away and get back in touch with yourself and think, okay, maybe this this isn't working and it's okay, I'm at a different stage and now what do I want to do or what's going to make me tick?
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's what I, I suppose I went through when I I used to work 20-hour days as a bit of a workaholic and I got to where I wanted to get to with my career and then I kind of just, stepped away and you think okay why did I do that (laughs) but it was what I wanted to do and it got me to to where I wanted to be but you can only ever be in the moment you can't be in the past or the or in the future so you've got to every experience makes you who you are it brings you to the place and the person that you are in that one moment and so every every moment can be a cliff that you can jump into a new path it's it's an opportunity so if you've gone down one one route and it and it served you or hasn't served you depending it's not feeling right then it's any time is a good time to to think about okay what is it i really do want and where am i headed one of the questions I, i love to ask and I ask it to myself regularly is what would I do if I knew I couldn't fail?
0: Mm, I love that question. I've heard that before. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a
1: really good question because it, it allows you the space to dream and imagine the ultimate lifestyle, if you like. So what, what could you do? You could do anything in the whole world. What would it be? And the idea of if you knew you couldn't fail, I think is really important as well because I think, I think, as with most things in life, it is often fear that stops us from doing them. So, whether it's traveling or going on a solo adventure or not giving up a career or a relationship that's not making us happy because we're scared, we're afraid that we might be doing the wrong thing or that we might do the wrong thing. And actually, by banishing that little voice, that little negative voice that's in our head, saying, well, what if, and you can't do this, and you shouldn't do that, by just quietening it for a few minutes and saying, okay, if I I knew I couldn't fail, if there was a magic wand and it was about to transport me, where would I go? What would I do? Who would I be? And really try and visualize it as clearly and as vividly as you can. And then use that excitement, that energy, to project where you'd like to be. And it's amazing how, just in five minutes or so you can kind of come up with this really exciting vision and it can change like you were just saying it can change from day to day let alone year to year but it's a really good way i think of just checking in where would i love to be if i if i could do anything and be anyone and go anywhere and don't let the fear hold you back
0: was that the turning point for you deciding to leave your career after listening to the the TEDx talks and realizing that that you wanted to make yourself happy. <laughs>
1: I guess
0: it probably was. Yeah, not being able to answer
1: the question why why was I doing what I was doing. I think was it just started eating away at me at the back of my mind. It was like a niggling little thought, and I couldn't place it to begin with it wasn't like a bolt of lightning that people say (laughs) you just (laughs) had this aha moment it wasn't quite as drastic as that but it was just something at the back of my mind and I think it got louder and louder until I took notice and gave myself the time and space to explore the feelings I was having, as well as reading every book and listening to everything I could on fulfilment and happiness and different perspectives on finding your se- your sense of self and fulfilment in life. So I did really draw upon lots of different perspectives, I suppose, and that was my own personal journey. And similar to you, I'm now at a stage where I like to share that with others. My ambition or my passion is about connecting people and ideas and sharing experiences that i think may help others to enjoy or to be the best sense of themselves
0: mm.
1: and so that's really what i wanted to do with the book uh, and it was so it does definitely draw on the fact that i've been through it myself but hopefully i've brought together some of the different perspectives so it's not just me but it's actually lots of wisdom from other people that I've come across over the years and pulled it together into one place.
0: Is that also your vision with the Rainmaker Foundation as well to connect people and bring them together and, and help make a difference?
1: Yes. Yeah, definitely. So we built a community of people and they're called Rainmakers and they're people who are committed to making a difference. Um, And like I mentioned earlier, they could be in lots of different ways. So they might have business experience that they could give to a charity or contact. They know people who might be able to help in certain ways or they have money that they'd like to donate or their time that they would like to give. But they want to make a difference. They're committed to doing the best they can to help others. And uh, we use the phrase to create a world where what matters most is what you do for others. So it's this sense of um, serving everybody and not just self-serving. The founder, Mike Dixon, he, he wrote, he's written books on generosity and he looks at these ideas of happiness and generosity and how by connecting with people, by helping others, by connecting with your sense of self you actually can make a huge difference it doesn't have to be really big drastic life-changing give up your career and go and work for charity mm-hmm. everyone can do a really small thing just in a couple of minutes if they wanted to but like I mentioned earlier it then creates this virtuous circle of goodness where if you do something for somebody then you feel good about it which helps you and then it helps others so it's it is a kind of a much better approach, I think, to helping um, everybody in ways that are not just self-serving. Exactly. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And it reminds me of, I, I can't remember the exact saying, but that change starts within. So if you become yes. if you become true to yourself and you help others, then other people are going to see that and want to not, kind of do the same as you as well. Mm. So you can make a difference even if you don't think that, Like you say, leaving your job and going away for you and volunteering, if that isn't possible, you can still make a difference just by doing a small act of generosity.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have to be a charity even. You can phone up a relative that you haven't spoken to in a while who you think might be a bit lonely and appreciate a phone call. It it can be really small things or even just smiling at at people it's um it's great fun when you start looking at all the things you can do we had a lot of fun in london doing sort of contagious smiles so you smile at people and you notice that they start smiling and then before you know it everyone's sort of smiling around you it's it's like yawns smiles are just as infectious as yawns if you smile at people then they start smiling and and it as soon as you smile you release the the chemicals and the feel-good feelings that you get make you actually feel happy so you can trick your mind into being happier just by smiling even if it's a fake smile to begin with it does um actually release the right feel-good
0: feelings yeah you make me smile now just by talking about the act of smiling and and, and you don't know that somebody could be having a really bad day and if you just smile at them you you could really make a difference to that person's day from just a a two-second yeah yeah yeah. you
1: hear all these stories I I don't know if you have come across any of them but we used to come across a lot where people would say that these tiny things had made such a difference people who are on the edge you know they're having a really bad day or they're just feeling completely lost and alone or isolated and it's a small act of kindness that just brings them back into their present and makes them feel connected again. And I think in today's modern life we're so busy, we're so isolated from people that actually just reconnecting with people on a person-to-person level can be all it takes to, to make a real difference to somebody's day or even to their life.
0: Exactly, it's quite ironic isn't it that in this world of social media and social interaction, we're more disconnected from each other than we ever have been. Yeah. Even if somebody on the outside looks as if they have everything sorted and their life is amazing, but people may have issues that you don't know about and mm. you can still feel incredibly lonely even when you're in a crowd of people. So yeah, realise that a lot of people are just looking for connection, real proper connections with people. So
1: it's so true and it's so important. I think everybody... Every single person has challenges that they're overcoming. Whether they look the happiest, most confident person in the world, we don't know what they're feeling. And even sometimes they don't know at that particular moment. It won't be until they go home to an empty house that they suddenly realize, oh gosh, you know, we don't know whatever is going on in people's lives. I, I saw a lovely quote the other day, which was, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was along the lines of, love when i'm being the most unlovable it's when i need the most love there was something along those lines yeah. and it kind of made me think yeah sometimes when people are being a, a bit nasty or <laughs> when they've actually they they have issues that they're projecting that's when they actually need the most compassion or the most love because they're dealing with something and they might be projecting it in an aggressive way or an angry way or a way that isn't very nice but sometimes that's actually when they need to be understood and, and it's not very easy to do always but um I, I think
0: of the Dalai Lama
1: yeah. <laughs> what would the Dalai Lama do yeah,
0: and just live in the now which is which is a huge lesson that solo travelers taught me actually because you don't look at the day before you you might have a rough Idea of where you want to go the following week, but you're forced to live within that moment and be open to opportunities or new people. So it really helps align you again. What would you say to somebody who's thinking about embarking on a solo trip but is feeling scared or unsure? I would say, do it, do it, do
1: it. (laughs) Yeah, I think the idea of embarking on a solo trip can be really scary, it can be really daunting. But as we've kind of looked at already, the most challenging things are are often the most rewarding. And by stepping outside of your comfort zone and doing something completely different, you'll learn so much, not just about the place you're going to explore, but also about yourself and what you're capable of doing.
0: That's great. Thank you so much for your time, Holly. And I'll put a link to to your book to there's so much to put a link to to your book your TEDx talk (laughs) so I wish you every success in the future and thank you so much great thank you (laughs) thanks for listening to our Girl About the Globe podcast making solo travel easier for you find everything that you need for your solo travels at girlabouttheglobe.com and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode